This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 8, Episode 2, The Hydean Underground. And let's start it off with a couple announcements. For those of you who haven't seen it, uh, we've got our Series 8 character art up on our Facebook, Instagram, and website. Uh, so go on over to EssentialNPCs.com or at EssentialNPCs on Facebook and Instagram and check out what uh, our characters look like. I think they look awesome. And our second announcement is um, we realized that the um, dice system in Star Wars is pretty complex to understand without having actually played it and we found a really great resource uh it is actually a comic that we found and we posted it on our facebook page so if you want to figure out how the dice work for realsies head on over to essential npcs on facebook and check it out it is super useful And for those of you who haven't listened to our podcast before, uh, we do a segment at the beginning of every episode that's touching base with uh, the GM for the series and a little bit with their counterpart for tips and tricks and uh, explanations as to what's going on in their brain. Um, If you are interested in asking us a question, especially about something that the GM chose, this is the segment that we'd answer it in. Also, uh, and with that, let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM is about Series 8, Episode 1, Operation Slipstream. Uh, So uh, here we are in the Clone Wars fighting some clankers. And all of a sudden, whoopow, Order 66 dropped on us. What made you decide to... um, set the the campaign in sort of this like end of the clone wars era well uh we got some fun reactions from uh the listeners uh regarding this a couple people tweeted at us asking uh, saying that you know they were hoodwinked but uh it was kind of a a group decision uh to to have this happen um early into us setting up uh this campaign i got all the players together and i I gave them a few options for the different eras in the Star Wars timeline that I would be interested in running. I had a very vague ideas of different types of campaigns I could run uh, within certain eras. And um, the one that everyone thought sounded the most interesting was like very shortly after Order 66. And uh, I don't remember who the first person who said it was, but somebody posed the idea of putting Order 66 on the air in the first few episodes. Uh, and I, I really kind of like latched onto that idea. I really liked the idea of having order 66 happen in episode one. So I, I kind of, I, I thought that'd be like a really compelling beginning to the story, but it can be pretty difficult trying to decide exactly what setting your campaign is going to be in, especially 
in a world like Star Wars that has such an established timeline with very well-defined eras, any of which could be the setting of a very different kind of campaign. And when you're confronted with that, you know, when you're setting up a campaign, uh, sometimes, you know, you have your own inspiration, right? Sometimes you know exactly the kind of campaign you want. You sit down, you look at a system, and you are inspired to run a specific kind of thing. Take, for instance, the other two series that I ran, uh, Shadowrun and... Tefra. Both of those were ones where I knew the story I wanted to tell. And so I uh, I approached the players and said, hey, here's the setting. Here's what's going on. What kind of characters would you like to play within that setting? But with Star Wars, I I, uh, I went the other route. You know, I, I made it a, a collaborative effort where we all kind of decided the the general setting of the story. Both methods are totally viable uh, and rewarding in their own ways. It also made it so the the beginning was like almost like a a joint storytelling experience where we all knew where everything was going to go. Like we all knew that Dudo was going to fall during order 66 that was kind of like pre-made so we were playing just a small part of like everyone's backstory right kind of establishing it within the game and let everyone letting everyone kind of like experience their character's backstory instead of just writing it yeah setting can be really important and i think that those uh i know that i've used both of those methods when i've uh, begun running a game um and i think that it's really a different experience um, for as a GM to, to have that sort of buy-in um, with, from your players or conversely have sort of a mystery happening with, uh, with your players, like uncovering your story as you go. Uh, but that's enough about that. What I want to know is what your favorite part was. My favorite part of episode one was definitely uh, Boomer Squad. I, I knew that I had to do uh, clones. And so I was like dreading kind of, doing a very poor Australian accent. <laughs> and so I, I kind of uh, elected to do a poor imitation of uh, a previous cast member, uh, Ryan Covert's Australian accent that he used for his character Boomer in series two and five. And I did text Covert ahead of time telling him like, hey, I want to do a Boomer reference. But are you cool with that? I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I like or I don't want to like take your character without your permission. And and, uh, and he was cool with it. He was excited. He gave me his permission without really knowing that I was going to make him the clones that killed <laughs> Elkiri's master. So hopefully he's not mad at me for that. Uh, but I just, I couldn't resist the boomer reference. Uh, it, especially because I could, uh, or especially because I loved the idea of using boomers tagline. It's boomer time as a group of clones, just shouting it every time before they ran into battle. Uh, what about you? What was your favorite part? Um, my favorite part is um, also a little bit of a sad part. Uh, it's at the very end of the episode, right before um, Dudo uh, gets got. Um, I love that sort of like uber Jedi moment of like moving everybody and like taking control of the situation and sort of like the awesome power of um, a Jedi using uh, the force uh, in the like a very cool way it was just like such a great visual and i felt so in the moment when we were doing it and then when i listened it was the same thing and i just i so good it was so like dramatic and it reminded me a lot of the the movies and and how a, a lot of other jedi sort of go down in the end saving their friends so i really liked it um it was it was really good <laughs> i'm glad that moment was powerful <laughs> But uh, we need to talk a little bit about where this campaign 
is going now that Order 66 has happened. There is a little bit of a time jump between Episode 1 and Episode 2, and I just want to take a little moment and inform the audience a little bit about what happened during that time jump. Basically, after receiving Obi-Wan Kenobi's message, the crew of the Exhibitor uh, looks for a safe harbor and utilizes one of Elkiri's... Uh, trusted contacts from her diplomatic missions, a Tegruda tribal leader uh, named Rashala. And when they landed on Rashala's planet, they parked the exhibitor there, got repairs, tended to their wounds. And during that short time, the Empire began to contact various planets to uh, make them swear fealty to the New Order. And uh, when uh, Rashala's tribe uh, resisted, many of them were taken away to uh, special work camps, aka slavery. Not content with hiding, the Exhibitor attempted to save those people and really began to realize the full might of the Empire they were up against, uh, almost uh, almost losing their lives a second time. But they weren't going to just sit by and let the Empire partake in slavery. Uh, so with the help of Rashala and one of Jaxamar's old contacts, Stello the Hut, they formed a small ragtag galaxy-wide network called the Hydean Underground, uh, which utilizes a series of loosely connected operatives and safe houses to ferry slaves and other prisoners of the Empire to safe locations where they can start a new life as free people. And that's just a general overview of what's been going on with our characters for the past three years. Uh, we do have new character introductions uh, for you, uh, slightly tweaked from the ones in episode one. Uh, these ones touch a little bit on how each character has perceived the events following Order 66. Uh, so don't skip over those. Give them another listen. And without further ado... We will move on in and listen to Series 8, Episode 2, The Hydean Underground. Enjoy! I am Jaxamar Sorrell, human Jedi Sentinel. My Padawan training was patrolling the slums of Coruscant, rooting out the vicious gangs and bringing them to justice. With the guidance of Master LeWitt Rensmer, I learned to rely on my cunning to solve problems, passing my trials diffusing a hostage crisis the day the Clone Wars began. At the height of the war, I was called to the front lines alongside my oldest friend Dudo and his Padawan Elkiri. The idea of the Jedi as generals never sat well with me, and my greater fears were realized when the clones turned on us, and Dudo sacrificed himself so we could survive. His final wish was for me to take up the task of training Elkiri. With the destruction of the Order, it falls to me to ensure the Jedi live on through her. Though my training left me a capable warrior, I've had to quickly adjust in a galaxy where a lightsaber is a beacon for the Empire's most dangerous assassins. Thankfully, we found allies in the former Republic pilot Tan Mobuk and her droid Oko. She saved us after the Empire rose to power, and her ship, the Exhibitor, has been home for the last three years. The galaxy may be shrouded in darkness, but I believe the Force will guide us to a better future. The name's Mobok, Lieutenant Tan Mobok of the Galactic Republic Navy. Well, that's who I used to be anyway. Before all this happened, I was a slave, 
nearly died trying to fight my way out. And when the opportunity to join the Navy presented itself, you bet your ass I jumped like hell. Spent most of the Clone Wars chasing pirates. Found my bird, the Exhibitor there, in fact. The up-and-ups let me keep her despite her, uh, modifications. And Oko, too. Others might just see a droid, but I know there's more under their shiny metal shell. Now, now we're just trying to survive. With Sorel and El Kiri on board, the Exhibitor will always have a target on her back. It'd have been a hell of a lot safer for us to run and hide. But safe never really was my M.O. We've done some good helping out with the Hydean Underground. One day, though, I'm going to give the Empire a kick straight in the teeth for what they've done. To me, to Sorel, to Alkiri and Oko, and all the others they've crushed under their heel. They've won their war, but I've just started mine. Personal identification number 0K0, at your service. Master Tan refers to me as Oko. You may as well, there isn't much time. Please lean back, this will take your mind off the pain. I am told my past has been eventful for a droid. I was captured by roving pirates shortly after the start of the Clone Wars. They modified and reprogrammed me to accompany them on raids. My surgical laser was greatly enhanced for combat utility and I was trained in the manufacture of stimulants and toxins. Please drink this. I witnessed many gruesome sights, but also interacted with all manner of organic life, occasionally even in a non-lethal capacity. Your species is particularly fascinating. So much blood. Upon my recovery, Master Tan allowed me to retain my memory. My years with the brigands, while regrettable, had instilled in me an appreciation for freedom and autonomy, ideals shared by Master Tan. My unusual modifications, coupled with her impressive piloting abilities, served us well as a Republic emergency extraction team until the clones turned on us and our three Jedi companions. As runners in the Hydean underground, we do what we can to hide good people from the Empire, but nowhere is safe now. Good news, there is a 38% chance that your injuries are non-fatal. Best of luck. Kiri Kanti, Padawan Learner. The Force has always been with me, even in the most trying of times, and I am continually surprised by the way the Force guides us all. That it saw fit to match me with Master Jaxamar Sorel, Sentinel, and perhaps the last Jedi Knight. Just like my late master, Duto Noem, Jaxamar and I are an unlikely pair. I've always been more inclined to talk than to fight, and he has always been the other way around. After we escaped, we turned to Rushala, an old friend of mine from early in the Clone Wars. She helped us hide from the Empire when we were in need, and now, along with her, we formed the Hydean Underground to help save those who are under the thumb of, or worse, enslaved by the Empire. There's no war that can be waged against the Empire. The best we can do is to save those we can and avoid any engagement with the Empire's forces. I must admit, I can sense the apprehension grow in me as we approach every new rescue for the Hydean Underground. But with Master Sorel, Tan, and Oko working beside me, and the Force with us, the Empire will never know we're coming. So it has been three years since the events of the last episode. Uh, the Clone Wars ended and the Galactic Empire has risen. Uh, the 
four of you have remained with the Excipiter and took part in the formation of the Hydean Underground. Currently, the uh, Excipiter is docked on the urban planet of Terrace uh, in the Outer Rim. Uh, it is a heavily, heavily populated and polluted planet with a constant yellow smog clouding its atmosphere. A majority of the people on Terrace live in makeshift tenements made of shipping containers and crashed starships stacked up on top of one another. Uh, the elite of the planet dwell in nicer skyscrapers. The four of you have been here for nearly a galactic month, waiting for another ship in the Hydean Underground to arrive uh, to hand off an escaped slave. You've been staying at the Coin Crab Hotel. Uh, it's a small hotel in Terrace's lower levels, not too far from one of the spaceports, uh, and is actually a waypoint in the Hydean Underground. Uh, it's run by a member of the Underground, uh, a human named Modin Nosh. You are waiting on a smuggling ship known as the Pixis uh, that should have arrived a little over a galactic week ago to drop off a passenger at the hotel who's supposed to be instructed to check in under the name Agor. The protocol of the Hydean Underground would dictate that the four of you should wait here for a full month before you attempt to reach out to any other members of the Underground to see if something had gone wrong with this operation. We'll start with uh, with Tan, who is down the street from the Coin Crab uh, at a particularly lowbrow bar uh, known as simply Bygones. Tan, are you are you drinking alone? Yep. Okay. Uh, so Tan is heavily drinking alone uh, at Bygones. Not like heavily, no. You know, like just regular amount. <laughs> uh, and uh, the door opens up, uh, letting in that the waft of uh, polluted air from the outside, kicking on the purifiers in the bar. And uh, you see in the reflection behind the bar a Trandoshan flanked by a human and a Duros. Uh, enter the bar, uh, and they walk right up to you. And the Trandoshan, uh, large reptilian humanoid um, with, like, sharp razor teeth, leans in over you and goes, You again? How many times do I have to tell you, tourist? You're sitting in my stool, standing room only for outsiders. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm going to get up and uh, look at the school stool. And pick it up and turn it over and look at it and... Where... Where's your name? Oh, I see you have jokes today. Don't make me cause a scene here, outsider. We outnumber you three to one. Who do you think you are? Oh, you're right. This is your stool. And I smash it over his head. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Go ahead and roll uh, either... uh, You can roll melee or brawl. Uh, It is an improvised weapon, so you will have a setback. That's four failures and two advantages. <laughs> and, and two advantages? And two advantages. Okay, so you 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 say this and you're like kind of like wobbling a little bit from uh from all the Corellian whiskey you've been drinking, and you like raise it up over over your head and just kind of swing it wildly. They all, all three of them, the Trandoshan, the Duros, and the human, all just kind of like back up out of the way. And the Trandoshan goes, Well, this won't take too long. And uh and he moves in uh with his two compatriots to uh try and uh rough you up. 
so they move in and try to grab the stool from you and try to yank it out of your hands, but you're like holding on really tight. And it's just like this comedy of like the three of them, like, and, uh, the human cat tries to come up and tries to like get a couple punches in, but like, you're like putting the stool in between you and him. And then the, the, uh, Duros is trying to yank the stool out of your, uh, grasp and the, uh, the Trandoshan like makes a, a punch at you, but you kind of stumble back during the fray. And, and so far no one has hit you. It's your go again. Uh, so I'll drop the stool and I'll knock my fist together to turn on my sun gloves. Okay. And I'm going to swing at the Trandoshan. Cool. Uh, you actually, uh, as you're going to fight him, you realize you've, you've heard his name once or twice before. He's come in here and given you a hard time a few times. His name is Slethk. I will flip a destiny point because I don't like the smug look he's giving me. Sure. All right. You upgrade your test. That is one success. How much damage does that do? Three damage and stun three. You let go of the stool and the Duros and the human stumble back with it because they were kind of trying to yank it out from underneath you. And in that moment, uh, they kind of bump into the Trandoshan, who uh, is a little off balance. And you just move in and hit him once in the gut, bending him down to your level and then just punch him like clean in the face with your shock glove, knocking him out cold. And his friends like stumble back and look at you. Uh, Now the human is holding the stool like as if to defend himself. Anybody else want a seat? <laughs> <laughs> the Duros like kneels down next to the Trandoshan, who's like kind of like, and he's like trying to like, come on, come on, get up, come on. And uh, excuse me, I believe that's my chair. <laughs> the human kind of reaches out slowly with the stool and sets it down in front of you. Thank you. And you turn towards the bar, and the bartender's looking at you and goes, out. Oh, come on. Out. One more. Come on. He's already taken your drink away. <sighs> Fine. Where's everyone else at? Uh, I am at the hotel, keeping watch for our contact as okay. I meditate. Okay. Uh, Oko is on the exhibitor uh, preparing substances. Alkiri <laughs> <laughs> will uh, just about, probably about now, be finishing up her rounds of... of the people that she's endeared herself to over the course of of the month that they've been here. You know, just shop owners saying hi, being a regular face without a name, getting info about what's happening here on this beautiful, beautiful world. <laughs> Jacksamar, uh, are you like in the lobby of the hotel or are you in your room? I'm in the room. Okay, there's a knock on the door, uh, Jacksamar. Uh, I check and see who it is before I open the door. It is the owner of the hotel, Modin Nosh. Uh, I will open the door for him. All right. Modin is, uh, is like kind of short. He's got, it looks like his nose has been broken uh, too, too many times. It's kind of crooked off to the left. And uh, he's got like wispy black hair. Uh, and, he, and he looks around and he goes, where's your team? Elkiri is presumably out making friends. I suspect Oko is on the ship. And Tan has gotten in a fight by now and is probably wandering somewhere in an alley. Well, uh, I got someone who chucked in uh, under the name Agor. Do you want to talk to him alone or do you want to get the rest of the crew together? I will get on my comlink real quick and check in with Elkiri and see how far out she is. Oh, uh, I'm just walking into the lobby now. I'll I'll be there shortly. Me and Elkiri will meet with Agor. Okay. So, uh, Elkiri, you're greeted by, uh, Modin. He gives you a half-toothy smile. Miss Canty? Uh, I give him a smile back. 
right this way. He uh, he he just checked in. He's uh, he's a Zabrak, a little malnourished by the look of it. Looks like he's seen uh, he's he looks like he's seen some stuff. Uh, he goes up and knocks on the door, and he goes, uh, "Mr. Agor, uh, your friends are here." And there's like a pause, and then uh, the door opens up, and um, uh, there's a Zabrak. He's got like a gaunt face. Uh, a couple of his horns are broken off, and uh, he's, he's got scars on his uh, on his neck from his slave collar uh, that has been apparently removed. And um, he goes, "Hey, uh, come come in, come in." Uh, and then um, he beckons for the two of you to come in, and and Modin uh, uh, leaves you guys to it. He goes back down to tend to the lobby. So um, you're the exhibitor. Yes. What uh, what caused your delay? Oh, uh, the the Pixis ran into a few Imperial patrols, and they had to chart a new course on the fly. That's why it took so long. They nearly overloaded their hyperdrive in the process. Their engineer and pilot are crazy. <laughs> Everyone made it out safe, though. Uh, yes, uh, actually, they did. Um, uh, it was a little touch and go there for a bit, but we, we made it. They dropped me off in, in, uh, and left right away. Told me to come here, check in. Um, what's what's the next step? What do we do? Uh, where are we taking this guy? Your next transfer point is mid-space uh, on the edge of a dead planet's asteroid belt. Um, it's just a couple parsecs away from one of the mini hyperlane offshoots that branches from the Hydean Way. Uh, you guys are to go there. There's a beacon hidden in the uh, asteroid belt that, uh, when activated, will uh, let the next ship know to come meet you there. Um, and that is your that is your next destination. And actually, um, because the Pixis dropped off uh, this man so late, uh, in order to make your next transfer point, you guys may have to leave uh, Terrace pretty quickly. So I uh, indicate that he should sit on what I assume is a musty bed. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I will keep a lookout by the window as well. Alkiri does her thing. And I will introduce us uh, with our fake names, our fake IDs. Um, I'm Ayla, and this is Rin. And uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, Sucra. Sucra Esto. Well, we'll probably get going very shortly, Sucra. Um, We just have to grab our pilot. She's out for dinner. (laughs) So you sit tight. Don't look out the windows or anything. Just try to get some rest. Keep the doors locked unless it's us, and everything's going to be okay. Uh, all right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So it, it, he's sitting on the bed, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do the thing I always do, and I, I'm going to influence him to be sleepy. Okay. Okay. Uh, go ahead and roll that uh, that check. It doesn't work, so I just put my hand comfortingly on his uh, on his shoulder. <laughs> okay. And and don't draw on the dark side of the don't force. Don't draw on the dark dark side of the force, and uh, he seems comforted nonetheless. Yeah. He's he, he's genuinely thank you, uh, thank you so much. Uh, shall we? Yes. Uh, the two of you walk down um, into uh, into the street. You look left. You know, there's crowds of people walking around. You look right, and there's crowds of people walking around. And then a trash can falls out into the middle of the walkway. Uh, People just kind of like, ugh, and like walk around it. And stumbling out after that trash can is uh, Tan Mubuk, your pilot. (laughs) Yeah, take that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, as we walk over to retrieve our intrepid captain, <laughs> uh, I say to Elkiri, I'm proud of you, Elkiri. You showed great restraint. Thank you, Rin. <laughs> so y- you you were me this time. Indicating towards Indi- Tan? Indicating towards Tan. I'll take this one. Okay. I will go put the trash can back. <laughs> so sorry. So sorry. No, this is where I wanted it. And then I will help Tan up. Come I on, was, Captain. I was fine. I was about to get up, Jax. Wonderful. We need to go. Mm, okay. Let's go. Uh, I call, I, uh, I'm going to call uh, Oko on the comm link. Uh, Oko? Master Ayla. We, we've got our uh, new cargo and also, we could use some um, maybe like sobering stims because uh, we found our pilot as well. They're already in the cockpit. I'll have the engines warmed up. Thank you, um, Oko. You uh, you go towards the uh, the cockpit to uh, uh, get the ship started and prepped for for takeoff. And while you're there, you look through the uh, through the windows of the cockpit and you see stormtroopers moving around uh, on patrol in the uh, in the spaceport. And you look around and you see no other ships aren't coming, ships aren't going, and there's no traffic except for stormtroopers on patrol. It looks like the spaceport is shut down from where you are. Master Rin, Master Ayla, come in. Uh, yes, Oko? There are troopers at the spaceport. Do you mean ca- casually or like a prob- problem? They seem to be looking for something, but are not headed directly to the exhibitor. Okay. Perfect. I pull out my blaster. <laughs> I very quickly put my hand on your gun and just push it down back into your holster. <laughs> you, you said we were going to go. Let's go. We're in the middle of the street, Tan. Okay. We'll wait till we get to the spaceport. Keep a low profile, Oko. Um, we'll contact you when we have a plan. Understood. And I will pull Captain Tan, Mobuck, drunk, into the hotel <laughs> where we go to our safe house to make a plan. Okay. Uh, are you going to talk? Are you going to Sucra's room or are you uh, are you talking in your room? Uh, I think we're going to our room. Our room. Okay. So yeah, you guys you guys move on in. You got the keys and everything. So yeah, you you close up the door um, in uh, in your room. And what do you do? Uh, so I guess we'll pull the I'll pull um, our holocon out. Uh, so Oko can also be in on this conversation. Sure. Yeah, you set it down on the ground, and whoop, a hologram of uh, Oko is floating there in the room with you. Uh, how many do you see, Oko? Go ahead and roll an easy perception check for me. Let's see how much you can glean from your position. Uh, oh, do I get anything from my scanners? Yeah, you can get a boost from your scanners. Two success, one threat. Uh, so you turn on your general purpose scanner, you get like kind of a read of the area. It's hard. Terrace is pretty packed with, you know, life and even tuning your scanners in for like minimum range to just try and get like this area of the spaceport. It's hard to get like a clear reading, but like you, you use your scanners and you also like hover around inside the, uh, uh, the cockpit looking out the window. You see at least six different patrols of stormtroopers in groups of two uh moving around the area um they seem to be like glancing at some of the ships um and then you also like do see after a little bit 
two stormtroopers walking in with, with two people who look like civilians, um, getting stopped by other stormtroopers. They have like an exchange of words. The stormtroopers who are like patrolling this area seem to like question the stormtroopers who are escorting these civilians and they nod. And then uh, they like the civilians gesture towards one of the ships and uh, and the stormtroopers escort them to that ship, make sure they get on that ship and then watch them go. Uh, and then the two who were escorting them go back to the like main entrance of the spaceport. You can't see exactly like that area. And then the two on patrol continue to patrol. And your threat is um, you're you're looking out there, and um, your face is lit up. It's a screen, and one of the stormtroopers looks your way, and you freak out, and you like duck down, and you you get a strain uh, just from like the Duh! moment of it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for waiting. Six patrols. And a pair of civilians escorted by them just left the spaceport. And they haven't fitted gravity locks, have they? Not on the exhibitor, no. Doesn't mean they're here for us, but they're here for something. I have a guess at what they might be here for. Makes sense. So we need to find a way to get Sucra into the spaceport unseen. We could put them in a trash can. (laughs) (laughs) Let's keep that one in our back pocket, I think. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll use it later. Yeah, Mm. I think that's a really solid plan for... For, for a backup, yeah. The way I see it is we could sneak him through, Master. It's an option for sure. Six patrols of stormtroopers, that's a lot of eyes to get him past. Oh, what if we made a distraction and then the stormtroopers were somewhere else? I could make a distraction. Tan, you have to fly the ship, but that's right, actually okay. a pretty good plan. <laughs> 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 what kind of distraction were you thinking? It's not that hard. Maybe we could split the difference. Do you think you could be very insistent that you needed to get back to your ship? Perhaps. It's my ship. It's your ship. It's my ship. So, and you, maybe you need to get back there really badly to check on your droid who's been maybe malfunctioning a little. And it's very important. This seems like it will get Tan arrested. But that we've done that before. Look, that's only happened like once or three times. Those were not stormtroopers. I know. We could just sneak until we can't sneak, and then we could run, but they'll tag the exhibitor. Uh, Oko, you see another uh, group of civilians uh, escorted by two stormtroopers brought into the general spaceport area, identify their ship, and then be guided to their ship and um, like observed leaving. The patrols continue, and the two escorts move their way back. Do these two civilians look anything like the last two civilians? They're not wearing uniforms or anything? No, no, yeah, there's nothing to it. Uh, you, like, watching watching the exchange, uh, like, a second time, you can see, like, it's the two escorts come in, and then the, like, are questioned by the uh, patrol. And, like, it seems like the escorts are giving, like, the patrol, like, an affirmative, right? Like, the, you know, they're coming up and asking a question, and then the, the escorts, like, nod and, like... Like say something back, and then uh, then they ask the people which ship is theirs. The people identify which ship is theirs, and then they are escorted to their ship and made to leave. It appears people are allowed to their vehicles. Uh, there is just a screening process. So perhaps they're looking for the owners of a certain ship. It just depends on whether it's ours or not. I think we should talk to Sucra. What if? We were the stormtroopers. We should have to knock a couple of them out, and then you could escort us to the ship. Would you like to come up with a a map for the plan of attack? I was just going to wing it. Long-range scanners are indicating a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, are there any Imperial ships uh, in the skies? Uh, looking up after a little bit, you do see like a TIE fighter go by, but um, it doesn't seem like there's like a heavy air patrols going on. Your perception of the situation, uh, Oko, uh, would indicate that the spaceport is on lockdown um, and and people are made to go through some sort of screening process before they are allowed to depart. And no one is being allowed to land currently. How hard would it be to take Sucra to a different location somewhere on this planet and get picked up from there? Your familiarity with Imperial Protocol might indicate that multiple spaceports in the area um, or possibly the whole planet is on a on a, a lockdown procedure as far as spaceports go. Well, spaceports aren't the only place to land a ship. We've been here a month. I've scoped it out. How hard would it be to land a ship somewhere else without the Empire noticing based on what we're seeing right now? Uh, some careful piloting and some, uh, and some lucky jamming and... Uh, Things like that, you can probably pull it off. There's a there's like a junkyard, not more like a junk field, not too far from where you guys are, where no one lives. It's just scraps of metal. Uh, occasionally, like people go there to collect things to patch up their homes, <laughs> um, but like it's not really owned by anyone, and Imperials have no reason to patrol there. If we can get Sucra to the junk heap and us to the ship, exactly. Okiri, I don't understand why you don't just tell them that we're supposed to be there. Can't you do that thing? Why don't you just tell them that we're supposed to be there and we can get on our ship? Because if it doesn't work, then they'll know I'm a Jedi. Why would it work? You're good at the thing. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to try that now, I think. I think you and I are going to go meet Oko and Master. And I will take Sucra to the junk heap. Yeah. All right, you guys want me to land in a donkey, but I'll land in a donkey. You're going to have those stims ready, right? As I said, they are already waiting in the cockpit. Okay. I guess let's go. I go fetch Sucra while Elkiri and Tan make their way to the spaceport. Uh, yeah, Sucra, uh, as you guys are getting ready to leave, Sucra puts up his, his hood and uh, follows your lead. Um, uh, Jaxamar and Sucra go. Uh, turn to the right and walk uh, down that way. It's a little bit of a walk towards where the junk heap is, but it's like a several mile long, just like like rolling hills of junk. <laughs> and then uh, Tan and Elkiri uh, take a left and make their way towards the spaceport. As we pass Sucra, um, I see the scars on his neck uh, and instantly look a, a lot more sober than I have. Yeah, and uh, when, he, when he meets you, he does like shake your hand and go, thank you. Of, of course. And uh, then you guys part ways. Um, as uh, Elkiri and Tan are approaching the spaceport, uh, you see more um, uh, stormtrooper patrols just on the street watching people. Uh, there's a couple Imperial probe droids floating around uh, above. I put my hood up. <laughs> uh, and then um, you get to uh, kind of a queue, actually, uh, of people waiting to be processed to be allowed into the spaceport. Uh, it's not super long. It's just like six people who are like kind of waiting. Um, and you watch the process happen a couple times. There is an Imperial officer there uh, flanked by four stormtroopers. Um, he takes their IDs, runs them through uh, an astromech unit. And as soon as the astromech unit like verifies that they are legitimate IDs, he hands them back and then... Uh, indicates to two of the troopers to escort the civilians to their ship so that they can depart. This process happens a few times in front of you until it finally gets to your guys' turn. ID cards, please. Uh, I hand ours over. He collects them. He slots in 
Elkiri's first, and uh, the astromech uh, turns gr- uh, little light turns uh, blue, and you uh, and he, the imperial officer pulls out your uh, ID, hands it back to you, and then puts in uh, Tan's ID, and the uh, astromech sits there for a second, and then the light doesn't turn uh, blue or red; it just spits out the uh, the ID card. And uh, uh, the stormtroopers are watching, and the officer looks up uh, and starts, like, sizing the two of you up. Seems to be a problem with one of your IDs. And he, he takes it out and starts, like, inspecting it. Did you put it in the right way? Excuse me? Just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Captain. Uh, it was working earlier. Um, would you mind trying it again? I'm uh, sure it'll work this time. <laughs> Uh, he's like he's like staring daggers at uh, Tan, uh, like about to like looking like he's about to like say something. You cut him off. He turns to you. I give him the prettiest smile, the most deferential smile. Okay, yeah. What you see is like uh, he's sizing the two of you up a little bit, and you see the uh, the unmistakable racism, racism in his uh, in his like gaze of the two of you, like where he's he even though he's like looking, he's about the same height as you. It's like as if he's looking down on you, um, and you give him like a very like apologetic, like deferential smile, and uh, I will let you roll charm, an average charm uh, test with a setback. Okay, I will suffer a strain to. Uh downgrade the difficulty okay uh so it is now an easy check for you so i got a triumph and uh two advantages can i use the triumph with in conjunction with the two advantages to affect all four of them oh to to like Get the stormtroopers to like see you as a demure, uh, yeah. unthreatening, pathetic alien person with, with, with a drunk Twi'lek woman yeah. who's equally as pathetic and inferior. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> Both very pretty too. They think we're pretty. Yeah, like in like the in like an alien way. Yeah, it's gross, but like kind of pretty anyway. No, yeah. Um, you say it and uh, and you give him the smile and uh, he seems to forget that tan had mouthed off to him he also notices like she's like swaying a little bit um and he uh, uh he pulls out a handkerchief and wipes the uh the id and then sticks it back in the astromech and then it sits there for a second turns blue and he pulls out the uh the id hands it back to you and goes troopers escort these two ladies to their ship thank you sir move along and two stormtroopers uh right this way uh, lead you guys through the hallways uh, into the larger spaceport. Uh, Oko, you see them uh, moving in. Uh, a patrol moves to intercept. These two civilians cleared the screening process. Uh, affirmative. And it's just the, the two of them? Correct. Not waiting on anyone else. All right. Where is your ship at? Uh, it's that one right over there. All right. They kind of like look at it and they see the guns on it. And uh, they cock their heads to the side a little bit. <laughs> And then they look at you guys and uh, two, the two stormtroopers nearby you, like he, they kind of look towards them and they like shrug and uh, they go, all right, uh, take them away. And the uh, escorts lead you up towards your ship and see you onto it uh, and be like, um, you have to depart uh, immediately. Do not waste any time. Leave the spaceport. Terrace is on a, a lockdown uh, for the next few hours. May I ask what's going on? Reports indicate uh, pirate activity has been noted in the sector. 
A recently identified pirate ship is suspected of landing on this planet. We're under orders to detain anyone with suspicious or delinquent IDs and report to command. We're, we're actually headed uh, out a little earlier than we thought, and so we haven't completed the full rotation when we would normally leave. Uh, we were thinking of uh, traveling suborbital around the planet and then um, exiting the atmosphere on the other side of the planet. Would that be all right? I can't say for sure. You may get stopped by patrols. Uh, we're on high alert right now. Thank you, trooper. All right. Depart immediately. On our way. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the two troopers uh, leave. You guys get on the excipiter with Oko. Master Tan, welcome back. Oko, good to see ya. We are fortunate it was not a sobriety checkpoint. Your stims are in the cockpit. Thanks. I'll uh, head into the cockpit. I'll uh, calm... Master Jax, has everything gone all right with you? Has everything gone all right with me? Uh, yeah, everything seems to be going fine for you, Jax. Um, the, there doesn't seem to be any imperial, imperial patrols except for around uh, spaceports and um, also like taxi stands and stuff like that. Anything that has to do with transit, they're basically monitoring. But as far as like just walking around, um, uh, it's really easy to like take a different street to not go right next to... Uh, uh, where some stormtroopers are. Uh, and the, the further away you get from the spaceport, the less and less Imperials you see around. And then eventually you make it to uh, the junk heap. Great. Everything's fine on this end. Have you made it onto the ship? Just now. No trouble? No trouble. They're uh, certainly looking for someone. Uh, pirates, they said. Uh, yeah. That doesn't sit well. Uh, so we're on our way. Yep, we're, we're ready. ready for takeoff. On our way now. Did you take some of those stims, Tan? I did. To sober up? All yep. right, cool. Uh, you do so. Uh, you do not have a setback. Um, but in order for you uh, to avoid any planetary Imperial patrols uh, and to make your way to the junk heap without really drawing much attention, um, I will call it uh, an average piloting check uh, with one setback uh, for the fact that, you know, there's a lot of eyes, and you have to avoid uh, the tall buildings, and, you know, you're not the smallest ship in the world. Uh, I'm going to flip a destiny point. That's four successes. Okay. So uh, you keep the engines uh, running pretty low. You actually don't even use the two uh, high-output high ion engines. Uh, you just use the, the sublight engines, and you have them running at, like, 2% capacity uh, as you... Uh, as quietly as your ship can uh, and quickly uh, coast your way around some of the bases of skyscrapers, um, staying relatively low, but not so, uh, not so low as to uh, draw attention by being a very low flying ship. Um, you also managed to like hug some, uh, some factory, like the factory areas, smog output and fly through that to kind of make it harder for anyone to get a visual on you. And then you come out from that, uh, that smog over the uh, junk heap and uh, you fly like kind of into the middle area of it. And um, you, make it to where Jaxamar and uh, Sucra are. Oh, wow. So nice of you guys to take us out here. Beautiful. It looks great. Always happy to show you the wonderful sides of the many worlds we visit, Tan, as I help Sucra onto the ramp of the ship. Um, yeah, and uh, you guys make it on. Uh, Sucra looks around um, and goes, was that, this is a pretty heavily armed ship. Comes in handy. Uh, how, how did you manage to get the proper identifications and permits for, for these kind of weapons. They're usually restricted. Tan shoots a look at Elkiri. It used to be a friend's ship, and uh, 
we got it after his passing. He takes that answer, uh, nods, and goes, uh, where, where, do I, uh, where do I stay for the duration of the journey? Uh, I show him to the med bay um, as he looks malnourished and not necessarily very wounded. He does not look well. Yeah, he definitely seems pretty weak. Uh, it, it could be that the the journey on the Pixis was taxing, um, and he was probably already pretty in a pretty bad state before even joining up with them. Uh, so yeah, he he follows you and sits down. Hey, Oko, maybe you could put your skills to some use. You must be codename Agor. Do you require medical attention? Uh, require? I I don't know. Uh, I don't I don't know. Please relax. Okay. He like sits back as you start like running some tests on him. Uh, you can go ahead and roll medicine to uh, make him feel a little better. He goes, "This is a nice ship, though. Those uh, those engines, they're they're strong. Uh, I bet I bet you guys can uh, make it to point five past light speed. I I worked on engines. <laughs> Captain Tan is very proud. I'm sorry. What was what was your name? Personal identification number zero K zero at your service. Uh, I guess I'll call you Pin. Oko. Oko. Okay. Yeah." Pleasure to meet you. Um, I'm Sukra. You can you can call me Sukra. Sukra, a pleasure. Please lay back. And he does. Um, what'd you get on your medicine roll? Four successes, one advantage. Okay, yep. Yeah. You find out that he is in fact malnourished. Um, he's dehydrated. He also uh, ha- has like a, a problem with his his back. Like uh, you you run like a scan and you realize that like a couple muscles in, in his back have been like knotted really, really badly. And, you know, he just hasn't, he's never seen a doctor. So it's just been continually to get worse. And you actually, uh, uh, you pull out like a, a tool that's basically a massage tool and you like knead out those muscles and, uh, he feels a lot better because of it. And to make it to your next destination, you guys will have to roll an easy astrogation check. It's about a four week journey. I will assist with this astrogation calculation from the co-pilot's chair. Okay. It's an advantage. It's just four weeks. It was just uh, to see if if, uh, if you ran into any specific problems or if you were able to get there super fast. You do actually manage to cut a week off of it, um, but you don't do anything fancy with it. You you follow the Hydean way to the offshoot. Like that part's the easy part. And then uh, and then you kind of have to go off the uh, off of any of the official hyperlanes and that's where you have to like kind of get the coordinates right and then you, you shoot off that way uh, and it takes you uh, about three weeks total journey to get there anyone getting into anything during those three weeks sukra is getting more comfortable he he seems to just be very very happy to be on the move and uh and also uh has taken a shine to oko uh now that he can stand straight without any pain i can't put my finger on it and it I don't know that it's based in fact, um, but I've come to trust hunches as signs of the force, maybe. Something doesn't sit right with me about Sukra, and I just kind of keep an eye on him over this three-week journey. And I, I do mention it to Elkiri because she's better at this than me. <laughs> Would you like me to, to actually see if I can... No, nothing so much. Just oh, okay. keep an eye on him. Uh, of course. I, on the sly, sense him. (laughs) Okay. He's tired. He's very tired. Um, He doesn't sleep very well. You're able to to get that much from him. He's nervous, wildly nervous, and there's a deep sadness in him that he seems to be kind of like trying to just push down and focus on the moment. I definitely stopped sensing him. (laughs) Uh, At some point, Tansy Sucra alone... um, 
And she just goes over to him really quickly and she says, it'll be okay. Huh? Oh, thanks. He was, uh, he was, uh, uh, admiring the, um, the like engineering bay. He was just like kind of leaning there in the door, like looking at some of it and looking around. Uh, he pretty much just like walks around the cargo hold the whole time. He doesn't really go up into the upper areas. I mean, he goes like to use the refresher and stuff, but he just usually stays confined to the cargo hold. Uh, and he turns, he goes, Oh, um, thank, thank you. I mean, I, I trust in you. Uh, the underground's gotten me this far. Just one more stop to go. And then, you know, I can start to rebuild some semblance of a life. I'll nod. Um, and just kind of give him a, a look, um, and then head back to my quarters. And then, um, time comes, uh, you get the little like alert, the little alert saying you're about to come out of hyperspace. So you get in position in the cockpit tan, uh, Sucre's hanging out in the med bay and you come out nearby this kind of frozen dead planet. Doesn't even really have a, a designation. Uh, and it has a, a thin asteroid belt kind of circling around it and you pop out and, uh, you start navigating around the planet towards where the, um, uh, where the beacon is supposed to be. And as you crest over that part um, uh, and get closer, uh, you notice one of the asteroids there um, isn't an asteroid. Uh, and then you get a little closer and you recognize it as a ship. It is, uh, it's a Corellian ship uh, that you've worked with once or twice before in the Hydean underground. Uh, it's called the Storm Cloud. And it's just kind of floating there amongst uh, in orbit with the asteroids. Are they the ship that was supposed to pick up uh, you don't know for sure. Um, they, that's uh, that's the nature of the hiding underground. You actually don't know who you're meeting. You just know where you were supposed to be and when. Presumably, there's some sort of like sign, countersign, some signal we're supposed to give, and they're supposed to respond with. Uh, well, uh, the original pretense of this mission was that you were supposed to come to where they are currently parked uh, and set off uh, a beacon that is there, which would tell them to jump here and make the transfer. But the beacon's not here and a ship is. The beacon might be there. You got to get closer to, to know, but yeah. They were not supposed to be here, though. Correct. Something's not right about this, Sorrel. I hop into the co-pilot seat. Okay. We should hail them? Yes. It feels off, but the, we are running very close to our timetable. The Even only, if we were running close to our timetable, you think they would have been here already? The only other option is to find a place for him ourselves. We're not equipped for that. We lose nothing by talking. That's a, that's a huge risk. You're willing to take that risk? Either we talk to them or we leave now. We could spool up just in case. That seems smart. Okay. Open a channel and be ready to run. All right. Oko begins to spin up the, uh, the hyperdrive, get it nice and primed so you guys can make a quick jump if needed. You guys send a, a, a hail through to try and open communication with the storm cloud. There is no response. Oko, can you scan the ship? Scanning. Uh, you run a scan through and without needing to roll or anything, uh, you can, uh, pick up that the ship doesn't have any life aboard. There's no, there's no life forms available, no heat signatures, uh, and its primary systems are either disabled or in standby. Scans indicate a derelict. Your scans also pick up that there is a ship about to exit hyperspace right nearby you guys. And, um, it does. You still have the hyperdrive like spun up and ready. You still got to punch in some coordinates. Um, but uh, 
just in time after your warning, a Vigil class Corvette comes out of hyperspace nearby. It is the smallest warship in the Empire's iconic Star Destroyer design, uh, measuring at only about 255 meters in length versus an Imperial class Star Destroyer, which is roughly 1600 meters in length. However, to put that into some perspective, the Excipitor's nose to tail is 34 meters in length. The hull is dagger shaped, uh, and the heavy armaments of this ship uh, share design features uh, of a normal Star Destroyer. It has a trio of dual heavy turbo laser turrets on the dorsal, um, as well as smaller anti-starfighter laser cannons, uh, which makes it probably the heaviest armed uh, ship in its class. One exception to the design uh, mirroring that of larger Star Destroyers is that the command deck uh, is uh, sits flush to the hull um, at, at the aft of the ship, right over the main drive engines, uh, which gives the Vigil class a smaller silhouette than a normal Star Destroyer and better protection uh, than the standard tall and exposed command towers. You are immediately caught in a tractor beam. And... Uh, you uh, uh, receive uh, the initiation of a, of a communication from the Star Destroyer. We answer it. <laughs> <laughs> While we're kind of like silently fighting over who's going to answer it, which it's definitely going to be me, but I don't want it to be. Um, <laughs> we should be hiding Sucra somewhere. In the past, you guys have hid passengers in the, um, uh, the emergency... Um, tubes that lead from the closets nearby the cockpit uh, all the way to the uh, the Sponson engines uh, where the uh, where the escape pods are located. Is that not a standard build? I mean, it's not the most hidden of locations. You guys don't have any smuggling compartments, but as far as like, you know, places people might not look unless they're really, really scouring a ship for somebody hiding somewhere. That's where you've done it before, um, but you can get creative if you want. Why don't we give them a wrench, give them some tools, then we'll, we can hide them there, and if they do find him, you can play it off, Helkiri. Like, he was just a mechanic. Yeah. Uh, I go do that. The comm is ringing. This is the Exhibitor. Uh, this is Commander Rissa Anaro of Reaper Squad. By order of Admiral Kenton and under the authority of the 77th Task Force, I hereby place you under arrest for suspicion of treason, aiding and abetting fugitives, and conspiracy against the Empire. Power down your shields, lay down arms, and prepare to be boarded. What is the process for breaking a tractor beam's hold <laughs> on a ship? <laughs> Well, uh, mechanically, what a tractor beam does is it slows your speed. This tractor beam is slowing your max speed by four, which makes you significantly slower. You can try and fight against it, but uh, you won't be able to outrun the Corvette at that speed. Um, however, uh, if you were to open fire on the, uh, on the tractor beam, you could disable it momentarily long enough for you guys to possibly make a jump. Um, but uh, as soon as she finishes saying that, the, the comm shuts off, and uh, out of the bottom of the Corvette, uh, where the hangar entrance is, uh, three TIE fighters and one TIE interceptor uh, drop into space and start flying to intercept you guys. Are we talking or fighting? We don't leave if they pull us onto that ship. Great. Okay. Uh, so everyone go ahead and roll uh, initiative. Did anyone get... Equal two or better than a three? Uh, I got three and a triumph. Anyone get above a two? I got two and two advantages. Two and one advantage. Two and no advantages. Okay. 
the enemies will have two turns, and then you guys will have one, and then they will have a turn, and then you guys will have the rest of your turns. So uh, seeing that you're not cooling down your hyperdrive and shutting down your shields and ultimately just disabling your ship for them to pull in. The TIE Fighters close the distance and the Interceptor opens fire, um, which you guys know is not exactly a protocol unless they consider you to be enemy combatants that they are taking in. We have one defense and we are silhouette three. Uh, the Interceptor does hit you and you realize it was a uh, Tan, you're, you're almost impressed for the briefest of moments because this interceptor specifically shot at your shield array generator and your shields go down. It wasn't aiming to damage the ship. It shut down your shields uh, and also crit in the process. And uh, the, this interceptor pilot hits you, uh, hits your um, uh, energy array and not only uh, like damages it to the point where your shields drop, but also causes power fluctuations in the excipitor uh, that make it so you as a pilot cannot uh, voluntarily inflict system strain until this this is repaired. Uh, And then it breaks off and uh, begins to take evasive maneuvers as the uh, three TIE fighters following it uh, take a shot at you as well. Uh, They don't do it so cleanly as the Interceptor. Uh, They deal seven damage uh, and also crit you. Uh, And they, uh, not being as precise as the Interceptor, um, firing around your engines, uh, they damage the ship more than you think they may have been intending to, but they do manage the the critical uh, hit is engine damaged, uh, which makes it so your vehicle's maximum speed is reduced by one point uh, to a minimum of one until that critical hit is repaired. And now it's one of your guys' turns. Um, So I will flip on the Mark IV fire control system and then suffer two strain to aim at the tractor beam pulling us in. Okay, so it is two silhouettes bigger than you, so it will be uh, an easy shot. It's two successes and one threat. Okay, so uh, you fire a bit. Um, There's a power fluctuation just as you do, um, and uh, the excipitor will take one strain. Um, as the the gun's like targeting system kind of overloads for a second right as you're shooting uh, and sparks kind of fly from your console but you land the shot and uh, you guys feel like a, a kind of like jolt a rustling jolt as the uh, the tractor beam shuts off and uh, and the excipitor is now free floating um, in space and um, the corvette will dip its nose down just slightly uh, and the foremost, twin light turbo laser on the dorsal nose of the Corvette will dip down just enough to get a, a shot on you guys. And uh, it's it's kind of like a, a desperate shot and you get flashbacks to the time that uh, turbo lasers fired at you uh, in the Clone Wars. But this time uh, the shot goes just a little bit over uh, the excipitor and doesn't cut right through the middle. Um, and uh, you guys are unscathed for the time being and it is all of your turns. Can we jump straight to hyperspeed, or do we need to... Uh, Because you guys were spooling up the hyperdrive, uh, you can actually attempt to uh, jump directly from standing to uh, uh, to hyperspace. You just need to punch in some calculations. I will do that. Okay. So it will be a hard astrogation check uh, to do so in the middle of combat without any preset coordinates. Oh, Kiri, I need your eyes over here. 
Okay, it looks, um, oh, I hate these numbers. Um, four, six, two, four. <laughs> I'm also going to flip a destiny point to upgrade my ability die. Okay, so, um, Valkyria uses her turn, uh, to assist in the astrogation calculations. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and roll with the, with the boost. Three successes and one threat. Okay. So the calculations aren't perfect, um, but you do actually manage to get them together pretty quickly. Uh, maybe a little haphazardly. Point two or point four? Point uh, two or point four? Two, two, two. <laughs> but not three twos, just one, two. One, what? <laughs> and because you got so many successes, you actually can make the jump immediately. You don't have to wait around. Yeah, I will hit the throttle. As you're about to go, uh, you see on your scopes uh, that interceptor uh, pull uh, high G uh, spin around turn, putting their engines in full reverse so that they stop on a dime and then just flip like a pancake over and fly upside down at you and are about to fire again uh, to fully disable your engines. And you just get into hyperspace. Uh, yeah, and you guys are traveling in hyperspace. You're, you, you're pretty sure you set it a pretty decent course towards pretty much uninhabited space. Uh, nothing on any of the official charts or anything like that. Uh, somewhere where you can lay low for a second and gather your senses. But uh, it seems the danger has passed. How did they doshing find out about that? Let's go find out. I'm walking towards where Sucra is. Okay, we need to, we need to plan some repairs. Absolutely. Performing damage control. Uh, so you have two critical hits. The uh, To make it so the engines are at full capacity is a hard mechanics check. And to stop the power fluctuations, uh, you're looking at uh, an average check. I need stability here, Oko. I can't fly her when she's flashing on and off. Attempting to repair power fluctuations. One success and one advantage. Okay. Yeah, you successfully uh, fix up the... Critical hit. That's one less critical hit that you have on the ship. Um, Elkiri, you said you were going to where Sucre is. Um, you open up the door, and he's just kind of, like, holding on. Is, is everything okay? No, not really. You will tell me why you're so important to the Empire. And you're going to influence him? All right. Go ahead and um, take one conflict just by doing this action. Uh, and it's an opposed... Um, you will be rolling a combined force and discipline check um, against his discipline, uh, which is just an average check. So I generated one light side point and three advantages and a success. Okay. So you do succeed in, um, in this, and uh, you can use those advantages to recover strain if you like. Um, otherwise, uh, it will just get more uh, compliance and information out of him. I like that one. Okay. Uh, his hand holding the wrench kind of goes like limp at his side, doesn't drop the wrench or anything, and he goes, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm so important to the Empire. I'm a slave. Uh, I've sold to the Empire in secret uh, as a slave uh, to work in an ore refinery in the, in the mid-rim, just getting more and more fuel for, uh, for the ships. I honestly don't know why they would send something like that after me. I didn't see any prototypes, anything like that, while I was... Working at the refinery, I just refined fuel, worked grueling hours, hot heat. Most of the people I know, they didn't make it. I feel really guilty. Hence the conflict. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is everyone okay? Did anyone get hurt? Everyone is fine. Why don't you go lie back down or whatever 
you want to do. Thank you. Uh, okay. He kind of shakes it off and goes, no, thank you. And, uh, and he, he goes back to the, to the med bay. Uh, to like sit down and like relax and kind of shake off this weird feeling he has. Yeah, so I'll come back up to I guess where everyone else is the cockpit. I guess. Yeah, I mean wherever you guys have team meetings, you go there. Where do you guys have team meetings at? We usually meet in the lounge. Okay, uh, so you guys, uh, you're in hyperspace, so you know you don't you don't need to be monitoring uh, anything until some proximity alerts or something goes off. Uh, so you guys meet up in the lounge and uh, uh, shut the door behind you. And what do you guys do? You have a, a little bit of time before these calculations finish up. You probably will get to your destination in a few hours. I think maybe we've been compromised. You think someone in the hiding underground has turned on us? Or talked? Been caught? What about Nosh? He's the one that set this up. We don't warrant a Star Destroyer. This is different. Someone may have turned, but this is more than that. If they wanted to catch us specifically... Those patrols were staring right at the ship in the spaceport. I don't think they knew who they were looking for until they saw who arrived. I agree. Well, now they do. Now they know exactly who they're looking for. We should contact Rashala. Okay. Uh, the lounge does have a, 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 a comm array, so you don't have to, like, pack yourselves into the cockpit to make a phone call. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you go up to the wall. You punch a couple buttons uh, to contact Rashala, who is one of the two heads of the Hydean Underground. Uh, what would be considered probably a friend at this point, given your history together. And uh, she appears in the center of the room as a hologram. Uh, and she goes, Elkiri, why are you calling? We were about to make the drop off and um, we were ambushed by a Star Destroyer. Vigilance class. Is everyone okay? We, we're we okay. The same can't be said for the storm cloud. Oh. They had been silent for some time, but we just assumed in the field, you know? We, we, we radio communication only for emergencies. We knew that uh, the Pixies had reported back in that they made the drop-off. We knew everything was running behind schedule. Are you sure the, the storm cloud is... It was empty? Of course we're sure. Okay. We saw the empty hull sitting right in front of us. Of course we're sure. I'm going to patch Stello into this. Uh, maybe she has some information. Did you, did you get a read on, the, uh, on the, the vigil class? Did you get any information from them? Information? You expected us to get information? We barely had enough time to break their tractor beam and get out of there. Tan, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you guys made it away. I'm just trying to find uh, what our next move is. If, if the Imperials have sent a Star Destroyer to disrupt our operations, that, that could mean we're completely compromised. I, I want to figure out what's going on just as much as you do. I give her uh, all of the information about um, Commander Rissa, uh, Admiral Kenton, and the... 77th task force she goes okay um i'll call back in a moment uh once i have a line on on stello and uh uh she blips out for a second you guys have a, a couple minutes before she calls back she's only trying to help us tan yeah she helped us a hell of a lot when we were back there being sucked into a to a vigil class ship she saved our lives yeah and she sent us into a trap she didn't know it was a trap isn't she supposed to have control over this organization? Isn't she supposed to be sussing these things out? How are these people getting into the, getting into the underground? She doesn't even know who, who did it. It could be anyone. You're right. We should just stop. 
I didn't say that, Elkiri. No, no, we should stop. We should absolutely not do this anymore. We should go find some backwater moon uh, and just live a quiet life as farmers. I'm just saying that she needs to run her organization a hell of a lot tighter than she's doing it right now. Everywhere, isn't it the, the fact j- that it exists at all? Isn't is it a the miracle. job of people like you to figure that shit people out? People like me. I answer the call. <laughs> If it's Stello, she'll be happy to see me. <laughs> uh, it is both Stello and Rashala. Uh, they appear as holograms inside the room. Uh, Stello filling up a considerable amount of the lounge as Stello is a hot woman. And uh, she's uh, smoking her, her signature uh, uh, hookah pipe. And she's, uh, uh, she's puffing on it. Blows out a big old column of smoke, which kind of like digitizes and fades away. The hologram smoke wafts over all of you. Uh, Stella goes, Jackson Ma, honey. Stella, I wish we were speaking under better terms. I, I'm sure you do. Uh, uh, Rashala told me what you ran into there. Reaper Squad. Uh, honey, that's bad. They're special forces. Now, I, I can look more into them, but right now, uh, we got to get you moving. All right, the storm cloud was supposed to take Mr. Esto uh, to his new home on Shafus. It's a big haul for you. Uh, and your bird has no doubt been flagged by the Imperials, so you'll have to get creative with your route. But uh, I'll send you whatever smuggling routes I know in the area so that it can ease up the, the workload a little for you. And Rashala says, uh, this show of force is an unprecedented response to our operation. Uh, until now, we've been dealing with sector rangers and sometimes IOCI officers. An Imperial task force? That uh, that has far more resources and autonomy than we're prepared to deal with. I'll get in contact with our other cur- couriers and ground them until we can better assess the threat. Uh, in the meantime, see if you can get Esto to his destination and lay low somewhere else. That's and it. you'll work on getting the ship unflagged, right? Stello uh, lets out a big old uh, puff of smoke. <laughs> uh, we'll see what we can do. Uh, don't you have a slice of friend, uh, Elkiri? Maybe you want to give him a call. Maybe he can do something for you. Yeah, we'll see what we can work out with him. I give a glare to Tan. I cross my arms. Uh, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll contact you in a in a little bit with whatever information I can get on the uh, on what you just faced out there. I'll pull all my contacts, see what I can do. You just focus on getting Esto to where he needs to go. I appreciate it, Stello. This is a considerably longer haul than we've flown in the past, and we are flying damaged. If there's any way there could be resources waiting for us when we get there. It would be much appreciated and helpful. Uh, her large hut mouth kind of grins a little bit, and she goes, I'm judging, judging by uh, where you guys are, are transmitting from uh, and where you got to go. I imagine you're going to need to make a pit stop. Funny you should mention your, your slicer friend. Uh, what's his name? Pep Dantor? Yes. Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he may have some, some holdings in the area. I'll send you the coordinates. Uh, uh, maybe he can. It's kind of his domain. Maybe he can help you out. Of course, he'll charge you an arm and a leg for it. Perfect. In the meantime, uh, uh, I'm going to get to work and try to figure out what I can find out. Good luck out there, Exhibitor. And uh, Rashala says, uh, yeah, stay safe. And they call ins. And that's where we'll end our session. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. This podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, or specifically approved by the Walt Disney Company, Lucasfilm Limited, their subsidiaries or sister companies, or any Star Wars license holder, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, 
and all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. Go to the official Star Wars website, www.starwars.com, for more information. The Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and Forced and Destiny role-playing games are trademarked properties of Fantasy Flight Games, Incorporated. All rights reserved. For more information, go to www.fantasyflightgames.com slash en slash Star Wars RPG.